Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see y'all here. My gosh. What a good day it is. Got a little snow yesterday. Got a lot of wind yesterday. Kind of chilly this morning, but you know what? It's springtime. Uh, Baxter Black says it goes January, February mud. And we're close to that, I think. So I don't know, man. It's it's good to see it. I mean, the green grass is coming. The wheat's green up. Things are good. Hey, uh, I'm a different face than you normally see up here. There's a few maybe new faces in the crowd, and gosh darn, we are glad to have you here, that's for sure. Corey, preacher, pastor, guy, he's rodeoing. He went south, he's rodeoing with his daughter, doing that other thing that God called him to do, and that's to be a dad. The, the third thing he called him to do, I guess we wanted to go down the list, but uh, they're off rodeoing and just having a ball, it sounds like, so uh, we rejoice with him in that because he can go and kind of take a break from the ministry and go get his, get his own heart kind of set back Wherever it needs to be. I know he is in the Word daily and and uh, and praying for, him, for for his family and what, what we're doing here as a church and what he can do as a, as a pastor, preacher. It's awesome. It's awesome stuff. So anyway, you get me, like it or not. <laughs> but I am excited to be here this morning. Um, there has been a message that has been on my heart uh, for for almost a week, and and it's it's great. It's great. So uh, if you... If you're listening online, um, or if you're here in this building, uh, welcome. Welcome to Beecher Island. And Corey always says it, and I always mess it up, but I'm going to try my best. But let me introduce you to Beecher Island. Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And uh, that's what I love about this place. Everybody loves Jesus, I hope. I hope, and you can sure see it, the ones uh, uh, here in this place. And uh, every word comes right out of this book right here. And, and what better place? That's the only book we ought to be getting our word from right here in this building. So um, that's what, what we are and who we are. And uh, we're glad to have you this morning. So I've, I've got this message on my heart. And I tell you what, um, I never thought, first off, I am not, I, I'm not ordained. I'm not a, a preacher, pastor, minister. I've never been to theology school. I've never been to Bible school. None of that stuff. I just, I just dive into the word and I find it. So, um, there's no letters behind my name. I'm just Tucker Lautham, cowboy, child of God. Okay, and so that's that's what we're doing today. Amen. And uh, thank you. And so uh, I never thought I've done a little bit of ministry. Never thought that I would preach out of Revelation just because it, like it's, ah, I don't know. It's cool, but it's I don't know. But anyway, this morning I'm going to be in Revelation. So if you have your Bibles with you, jump to uh, Revelation chapter three. And as you're going there, uh, why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for such an awesome day this is, and just another day to come and, and uh, worship you and get into your word and learn from you. And uh, God, this morning, this message that you put on my heart, Lord, I just pray that it comes out of my mouth the way that you want it to, and Lord, did I just get out of your way. And God, let it let it resonate, let it deepen our faith, let it strengthen our faith in you, and, and uh, as, we, as we study and come to know you more. God, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity, and... Uh, and I just, I just pray that that, uh, that I can be a light as I share your word, as you do that through me. And God, this morning, just let all of our ears, including my own, just to be attentive to what you would say. In Jesus' name, I pray. All right, so we're, we're. Uh, uh, the, the other thing is, when I was, uh, <coughs> when I was filling out the form so that they can put this online or whatever, uh, there's a little spot in there that says sermon series title or something like that 
And I just skipped over it. I'm like, I don't, I don't have a sermon series. I'm not here every week, whatever. Um, but it wouldn't let me uh, go ahead and submit that until I put something in there. And as many of you know, if you've heard me speak while Corey's gone, um, I have these stories of me wrestling with God to try to figure out what he wants me to, to say or what he wants me to hear. And so for as long as this series gets, as many times as I stand up here, I think I'm just going to call it wrestling with God. Because and, and it, it happened again this week, and that's where, that's where I came to this, this uh, account revelation. Um, I don't, Andrew and I were discussing something. I don't even remember what it was. We flipped back to this scripture, and I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I said, hold on a sec, something, I'm missing something there. And so I got in a big old wrestling match, and God came out on top like I knew he would. I just had to figure out what he wanted me to hear. So um, that's what this is a product of, this big old wrestling match of God. So we're going to start uh, <clears throat> uh, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to go down to verse 14, and I'm just going to read to the end of the chapter. So if you want to follow along. <coughs> it says here, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Some of your Bibles might say, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's noteworthy. Because you say, I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I say out to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen, amen. This is the word of God right here. I'm telling you, uh, I dove into this big time, and I'm not going to get everything covered today. And Corey's gone next week, so you can endure this again, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill in some gaps hopefully next weekend as uh, the Lord continues to lay this stuff in my heart. So, uh, so. You might know kind of where I'm headed with this. Uh, there in, in verse 15, it says, God says, I know your deeds. Jesus, these are words written in red. Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will tell you this right now. The first time I ever heard that verse, those two verses, that scripture, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Because it made me fearful. It made me fearful. And since then, I've heard this, this scripture said, and it scared me still. What does it mean to be lukewarm? He says, he says I wish you were cold or hot. You know what? There, there's been discussions, I think, even inside this church building, um, not in depth, but I, I, I faintly remember something in Sunday school a while back ago where this, this was kind of brought up. And, uh, and I'm reading that, and, and, and the idea is there is this... Uh, I even saw a video the other day that says you can lose your salvation if you're lukewarm or cold. You've got to be on fire for Christ. You've got to be hot. You've got to be doing the things. You've got to, you've got to know Jesus. You've got to be all in. That's all there is to it. Okay. 
Okay? I've heard the same thing from, from different people. It's, it's, it's blatantly clear. If you're lukewarm, you're going to get spit out. That's all there is to it. If you're cold, people say that Jesus would rather you be cold or hot than sitting on the fence and being lukewarm. You better be one or the other. And if you're, if you're cold, that means you don't even know Jesus. You reject him. It's like it almost makes the decision for him easier to just go ahead and send you where he wants you to go, if you know what I'm saying. So you better be on the hot side of this whole thing. Don't be on the fence. Be hot or cold. Don't worry if you're cold. You better be hot. That's all there is to it. I'm telling you what, folks. I'm telling you what. There's, there's verses that back that up, too. And, and people use Matthew 12, 30 that says, He who is not with me is against me. I'm good with that verse. I, I, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. And they use it in context of, of, of this scripture we're talking about today in Revelation 3. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, it, it, it does fit. But maybe not quite in the way that you want, want it to fit. Because I tell you what, I look at this, at this scripture and I see where it says that, that he wishes that I was cold. And if cold means something bad, worse than lukewarm, why would my God, why would my Jesus want me to be cold? Why would he want that? I think about my God and from the beginning, I mean, this is my, this is my forgiving, my graceful, my full of loving God, the, the, one that, the one that cares for me, the one that knew me before, before I was even in my mother's womb. He knew me before the foundation of the world. And that God, that God is saying, I wish that you were cold as if it's a bad thing. I'm telling you what, I'm struggling. I know it's Revelation. There's some hard stuff in there, but, but God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and, and that's the same God, and I'm struggling with that, folks. I'm going to tell you that right now. So what does it mean? And, and I know that my God is patient. I know that my God is patient. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow about His promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Listen to these words right here. Not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Not wishing. So we have here in Revelation where it says, I wish you were cold. And then in the 2 Peter it says, I'm not wishing you to perish. So which, which one's right? Which, where are we at on this deal? Jesus. I'm not, I'm not sure. He's patient. He's patient with us. You know, the other thing is God knows the secrets. He knows your heart. He knows the secrets of your heart. Uh, Psalm 44, 21 says that. That God knows the secrets of your heart. This is not a surprise to him. That you may be one or the other. That you may be rejecting him. That you may be, may be on fire for him. It's not a surprise to him. He knows you. It's not like you can make the decision to be cold so that it's easier for Jesus to say, yep, get on out of here. I don't need you in my kingdom if that's the way that you're going to be. Jesus, he, knew, he knows our heart. He knew us before we were formed, like I was just saying. So what does it mean? Why does he say that he would wish for us to be cold? Well, I'll tell you what, here's a kicker. I'm going to share something with you this morning that blew my mind and uncovered everything that there is to uncover about this verse. And, and it's so awesome how God works because I had this conversation with Andrea. I, I've talked to a few other people on the phone since then, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to get it figured out in my own brain. And I'm like, God, what, what does this mean? And, 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 and I agreed with, with one person I talked to on the phone. And he's like, well, I see it as Jesus saying, um, there are your really good friends that would take a shirt off their back for you. They'd do anything, no matter what. They, they are there. Those are the ones that are on, on fire for you. They're your really good friend. And then there's the ones that you don't even know. Like the, the other people in the world, whatever, they're, you consider them cold. They don't know me, and I don't know them. 
And then there's the lukewarm ones that are like, I'll be there, but then they're not. You know, so that kind of made sense in my head, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm not quite there yet. What does it mean? What does it mean, Jesus? And, and so Andrea had a, a women's Bible study this week, and she actually, this was before I even decided to speak on this. Like, I was, I was going a whole different route. But Andrea takes this to Bible study, and she has a discussion with some of the women that are sitting in this church today. And I'm so glad that she had that decision because they helped write this message today, and they might not even know it. But I was led to some, some words about how to explain what this is talking about. So we're going to go into a little history slash geography lesson right quick, if you'll go with me. This is what's kind of cool. This is the kicker. You ready? You ready for your, your brains to be exploded? Are you ready? You ready? Okay, good. All right, good. So... Um, where the church of Laodicea is located, it's on the Lycus River. Okay, and, and picture, if you know where Turkey is, we're in western Turkey as of today. Okay, so Laodicea was this town, and it's on this river. Right next to it, and like, so if this was the map, Laodicea, or, uh, yeah, Laodicea would be here. Like right here, not, I don't even know if it's a mile away, two miles away, is the church of Colossae. We know about Colossae because there was a, there was a letter written to the Colossians, right? So we have Laodicea and Colossae on this Lycus River, and right up here is another town called Heropolis. So there's three towns on this river in this river valley, and, and they that, that's, where, that's where they are, right? There's three churches in each one of these cities. So the cool, the cool thing, cool not cool thing, about Laodicea is they were, they were uh, a merchant town. They were on this, on this, uh, on this trade route. And people would, would come and trade and, and do all kinds of stuff there in, in this town of Laodicea. And they were also very good. They were, they were famous for making textiles. They are making clothes. They're, in fact, um, they were famous for, they would get black wool somehow, and they'd knit it so tightly together that it was rainproof. Like, it was some pretty good stuff, right? They were also really good at, uh, or they, they had a lot of banking in that in that town because that industry, there's so much money going on. So this was a rich, rich town. They also made, which I think is kind of cool, they also made some ISAP. I don't know what they did with ISAP. I guess it helped you see better before they had glasses. I don't really know. But anyway, they made ISAP. Coming into this town, piped in from the mountains somewhere, there were six miles of pipe that came into this town to bring the water so that they could do all their textile industry. And after it traveled six miles of that pipeline to get to the city of Laodicea, guess what temperature it was? Lukewarm. Not only was it lukewarm, but it was also, uh, there was like a gritty amount of calcium carbonate in that lukewarm water. Now, we take calcium chlor uh, carbonate today. If you got a stomachache and take some tons, that's calcium carbonate. But if you get it in excess, it does the opposite. It will make you vomit. So we have this water coming into this town that is lukewarm, and if you drink it, it will make you vomit. Are you starting to see the picture that Jesus is painting here? Okay, I'm going to keep going. So we have Laodicea. They have this pipeline. It's lukewarm. Just off to the side, we have the town of Colossae. And into this town comes a river, a stream. There's not much else to say other than it had cold water. People from Laodicea went to Colossae to get their drink. The kind of water that quenches your thirst. The kind of water that brings refreshment to you. That's what Colossae had. On the other side, on the other side of Laodicea, the town of Heropolis, they were famous and known for their hot springs. 
had hot springs of water and, and it had minerals and all that stuff in it. People would come there to get healed by that water. Can you see the picture that Jesus is painting here? First off, we have cold, we have lukewarm, and we have hot. And Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea and he says, I wish that you were cold like Colossae. He's talking about the water. I wish you were cold like Colossae, or I wish you were hot like Heropolis. Something that was good. Something that could be used. But yet you were lukewarm. But yet you were lukewarm. I don't know if you're there with me, but I tell you what, it blew my mind. Good, good stuff. I think it's kind of cool that Jesus, all throughout the Bible, there is a very, we can find places where it's specific, the order in which God lays out his word. And, and for instance, um, it, uh, I, I can't tell you the exact place it is, but it says, Ask and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open for you. Ask, seek, knock, that's in a specific order. Go by that order. And I think it's awesome, and I don't know if it's, uh, if it's quite that prevalent in this, but it, when Jesus first says, I wish you were cold, that's the first thing he says. Or I wish you were hot. Later on, he switches it, and that's fine, but I think it's kind of neat to kind of need to think about that. So we have cold water to drink, to refresh, to quench your thirst. We have warm water to heal. And he wishes you were one or the other, not lukewarm. Not lukewarm. You see, this scripture is not about how on fire you are for Christ. I think about the NCAA, the, the what tournament, the March Madness stuff's going on right now. And you think about this, you think about that basketball player out there, he was sinking threes, he's driving the lane, he's hitting dunks, doing all this stuff. He's on fire, right? We talked about that. He's on fire. Look at that guy, he's on fire. The next day he can't hit nothing, he's just throwing up bricks. That guy's cold. It's not the same. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what he's saying about our faith today. He's not saying if you're, if you're not on fire for me, if you're not doing all the things, if you're not going through the motions, he's not saying that kind of stuff. And you know what? That can be pretty darn offensive if it is preached to you in that way. I remember as a, as a fresh Christian and reading this verse and going, man, I've got to be on fire. So what does my mind turn to? All of a sudden, I have to be doing the things. I have to be doing the stuff to become the good Christian so that I don't get spit out. So that I'm not lukewarm. So that, so that I'm not cold. I have to be on fire for Christ. You know what that becomes? All of a sudden, you're becoming, that your, your faith is all about works. It's not about Jesus anymore. You know who preached that kind of word? Pharisees. The Pharisees preached that kind of word. And Jesus rebuked them. He called them a dinner robbers, a, a pit of vipers. He called them whitewashed tombs. Because they were preaching about the works. And I'm afraid that if this word got preached like that, that you're not doing the things, if you're not on fire for Christ, if you're a mature Christian, you understand that. If you're not quite there yet, it might be tough for you to understand. I wouldn't blame somebody for walking out the doors if that was preached to them. I'm telling you, it is not about being on the fence. In fact, I don't even think there's a fence here. So the question is then, so what does it mean to be lukewarm? Because there, there is concern, and I will say this too, that if you are concerned about being lukewarm, I had a conversation with a friend just last night. He said, man, 
Am I lukewarm? I'm not adding to the conversation in Sunday school. I don't pray enough with my husband. I don't read my Bible enough. Like, what if I'm being lukewarm? I'm telling you this right now. If that's you, if you're there and you're concerned about being lukewarm, you're in a good spot. Because I'm going to tell you what to do. You pray. You pray and you ask God, hey, what, what do you want from me? Not me, Lord. What do you want from me? So what is lukewarm? What does it mean? And I think this is what's kind of awesome because we're all got this question in our head right now. What does it mean to be lukewarm? And I think Jesus gives us the perfect answer in verse 17. If you go back and read it, it says, Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. I think that right there is the definition of what lukewarm is. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. We can talk about wealth all day. We can talk about being rich. But we need to take it broader than this. If there's anything in your life, any sin in your life that is driving you away from God and not toward God, and you're putting more precedence on the things of the world, that is the stuff that makes us lukewarm. In this case, in this instance, they were rich and they were boasting about it. They thought they had everything they needed. But that's what sin is, right? It's that, it's that one thing. I mean, there's stuff that we desire in this life. And I'm, I'm going to stand up here and say, guilty as charged. I've got it in my life. I've got sin in my life. And I am sorry. I, 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 I ask for forgiveness. I repent. I'm still in the flesh. You know that? I'm still in the flesh. There's some lukewarm stuff going on in my life. And only God can fix that. I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And what Jesus finished is saying, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and blind and poor and naked. And they didn't even see it. They didn't see that. But this is what's cool. This is what's cool. He says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. And white garments so you may clothe yourself. And that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed And I salve. To anoint your eyes so that you may see. I'm going to go into a little more depth in this next week. But I think it's so cool that God just told him, Hey, you, you say you're rich, you, you say you're wealthy, you say you've got it all. But you are blind and you are wretched and you are poor and you are weak and all these things. But he says, i got a way out for you. Look, I advise you. Come to me and buy the gold refined by fire. I can make you rich with the things you need. We're going to go into that next week's comeback. He says, I've got white garments. You can't clean your clothes good enough, folks. You can't clean your life up good enough. There's one way that we get the white garment. That is through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are cleansed by his blood. That white garment comes from him. It ain't because of what we can do. And what I think is kind of cool, because what I was reading, it said that they took black wool and knitted it really fine. And just kind of the, they, they made black wool, but he's like, I'm going to give you a white garment. I just thought that was kind of cool, just as a side note. So your shame and nakedness will not be revealed and eye salve to anoint your eyes. They were trying to make their own eye salve to, to see better. But God says, let me, let, me, let me do it. Let me do it. You're blind anyway. Let me do it. I was blind and now I can see. So, so good. When the things of this world take precedence over what God is and who he is and what he can do in your life. There's a chance you're becoming lukewarm. But I would argue, too, that these people that he's talking about right there, maybe there's a chance that they never even knew Christ to begin with. And I think we could almost argue that with the Pharisees, too. They knew about God, but I don't know if they had a relationship with God. 
These were the kind of people that were, they were pretty proud of what they could do. Pretty darn proud of that. And they would go and they would pray these big prayers. And if they'd give to the needy, they'd blow trumpets and do all the stuff. They had it all. They didn't need nothing else. They couldn't see the forest for the trees. They never did have that relationship with Christ. And I would hope that those of you that are sitting in this building today have some sort of relationship with Christ. And if you don't, today's the day to do it. Come and get it. Come and get it. Don't be lukewarm. He says, uh, to those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. And you know what? That's what's awesome. That's how you know God loves you. If there's some struggle in your life and you're kind of fighting around just like I do, I fight around with God just a little bit, I wrestle with him. <laughs> He's going to discipline you. He doesn't want you walking around in the, in the way of the world, the way that you always, that you were before. He wants the new you. And if the new you ain't showing through, you might feel a little bit of discipline. There's a diff difference between discipline and punishment. We could go into that, and I'm not going to today either. But God will discipline you because he loves you. He says, so be zealous. You know how to get that? You repent. Just like we were talking in Sunday school. You change your mind. Change your, change your mind from the sinful things and change your mind to God. That's how you repent. Just, just look the other way. Just look the other way. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. I have a, a little uh, note in my margin that says this right here is the invitation to be hot. And I, actually, I'm going to fix it right now. And I'm going to say, or oh, we're cold. Because it doesn't have to do with temperature. But if you can hear his voice, and he knocks, you can hear his voice. He wants to come in and dine with you. That's how... That's how you get the stuff. You have a relationship with him. If you're stuck, if you're wondering what, what direction to turn next, what do I do? Talk to him. He's the one that will dine with you. He's the one that will bring you the, the, the food, the water, the life, the stuff that you need to be hot or cold. I feel like we need to go back for just a moment and address that hot or cold thing. It's not about temperature in your faith. But it's about using what God gave you as a gift. It's about using your God-given abilities for His kingdom, for His glory. And I don't know what that looks like. I stand up here filling in for Corey preaching, and if you think that this makes me look like I'm on fire for Christ, I have news for you. This don't mean nothing. This don't mean nothing about my relationship with Jesus. This right here is not going to get me into heaven about my heart and where my heart is for Jesus. And if you're worried and you're going, well, if I'm lukewarm, maybe I need to stand up there and preach the word. No! Maybe that's not your gift. You've got something else. Use that thing. Use that thing, you know? And uh, um, I, was, I heard this quote, and I can't remember who it's from, um, but it says, everywhere you go, preach the gospel. And when necessary, use words. How about that? Live it. Live it. Live the, live the life like you have Jesus residing in you. That's how we do it. And it doesn't matter what you do, what you're good at. If you're a farmer, rancher, teacher, a doctor, whatever it is, you, you work as if you're working for God, not man. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to be cold. You're going to be hot. You'll stay away from the lukewarm. You won't be spit out, I promise you. Because he tells us you won't. Because he tells us you won't. I'm going to invite the music team back up here.
I need to get down off the stage. Here. One thing that I think is cool about how Jesus speaks to this church, there were seven churches total. This is the last one that he sent a message to. And what I think is cool about it is that the end of each one of those passages, each one of those letters, kind of the last verse in each one of those letters, it says this. It says, he who overcomes. He who overcomes. God has given you a way out. If there is lukewarm places in your heart, in your life right now, God has given you a way out. He's saying, he who overcomes. I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. If there's lukewarm parts of your life, he tells you be zealous and repent. And if you overcome that, you're going to be with me forever. I think about how some of these people preach this word that you've got to be on fire for Christ. And I was thinking about that in the greatest of death in it. Oh, man. If that's the case, what about the, what about the thief on the cross that was right next to Jesus? We know that he went to heaven because Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Did he have time to be on fire for Christ? He was hanging on a cross, taking his last breaths. Did he have time to be hot for Christ? And Jesus says, you're mine. It doesn't have anything to do with temperature of your, of your faith. The other people that I think about in the Bible is them kids. The Pharisees were saying, no, get them kids out of here. And he's saying, no, let them come. These are mine. There's kids in this building right now. Youngsters that haven't had the opportunity to even know who or what Jesus is. I've got one of my own. He's just a year old. He doesn't, I don't know that he understands what, what I'm talking about right now. Does he have a chance to be on fire for Christ? Does he have a chance to be hot? It's not about, it's not about the heat. It's not about the temperature. I'm going to take it one step further. What about, what about that man who has professed Christ and he is saved and, and he knows Christ? But now he struggles with alcohol. And he's become an alcoholic. And now he's recovering. What about that guy? He's not on fire for Christ right now. Because he's struggling with the sin in his life. But I guarantee you, because he knows Christ, he's going to make it to heaven. It has nothing to do with the temperature. What about that man's wife? who is not sure what way to go, what direction to go. What she, She's praying to God every day that, that this hurt and this pain and, and there's, there's healing and there's these, these things that happen. And she's not on fire for Christ either. She's not going around just blowing out Christ all over the place because she's trying to figure it out in her own life. But she knows Christ. It's not about the heat. It's not about the temperature. It's all about using what Jesus Christ gave you. Be hot, be cold, whatever it is. Don't be lukewarm. Don't, don't think you have it all figured out. 
Don't be too rich. Don't be too, too engulfed in the things of your life that you don't need Jesus Christ. That's when you become lukewarm. Always look to him. This morning I pray that you know Jesus Christ. And if, if you don't know him, he wants a relationship with you and he's being patient. And he wants you to come to him because he doesn't want you to perish. He wants you. He wishes you would come to him. So come on. Come on. Get Jesus. I've heard it said, and I say it quite often, that, that our eternal life does not start the day that we get put in the ground, the day that we die and we get put in the ground. Our eternal life starts the day that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That is the day that our eternal life with God starts. And watch out. Let him change your life. Let him do the stuff. And it will be good. If anyone needs prayers, I'd love to pray with you. You can go to the back. I know there's guys back there that would love to pray with you too. But I pray that you know the truth of the word of God. It's not about it's not about what you do. It's not about your about your temperature. It's all about what he can do through you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this word. God, I thank you for your truth. And God, I pray that what has been revealed to me is, is just as powerful in these other hearts in this room to know how loving you are and how, how patient you are that you want us to come to you and not perish. You would not wish for us to be cold, God, but God, that we would not be so focused on the things of this world that we can't see you. God, help us to, to always have that need and that desire for you in our lives. Because, Lord, we know then that we will be with you forever. And we thank you so much for being, being that God, that God that would send, send his only son to die for us on that cross for all the sins that we committed and all that stuff. All we have to do is change our mind, look away from sin, look toward you, Jesus, and keep marching that direction. God, not that, uh, not that he stayed there on that cross, but he was in the, 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 Jesus, you were in the ground for three days, and on the third day, you arose to life so that we could have life in your name. God, we thank you so much for that. Lord, this morning, I just pray that, that our strength, that, that our faith can be strengthened through your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.